Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. This is episode five of season seven, and I'm your host, Andy Davis, as always. I mean, I'm always Andy Davis 24 hours a day, but I'm also Andy Davis, you know what I mean. We're returning to the thorny subject of installation this week. Thorny because the number of skilled, experienced kitchen and bathroom fitters out in the market continues to be as concerning as ever. It is clearly so essential to the survival of the UK kitchen and bathroom market that whether you're a manufacturer, a supplier, a retailer, a designer, or indeed you're one of the skilled, experienced fitters that are out there, then this is going to affect your business massively, even critically. Last week, I went to the annual conference of the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation, better known as the BIKBBI. And this crisis, this potential catastrophe, as CEO Damien Walters describes it, loomed large over the whole event. There were actually lots of very interesting speakers there, but I'm going to focus mainly today on two of them. Damien himself, who, as you will hear, didn't beat around the bush in his views on what the industry is doing, or more precisely, isn't doing. And we've got Mark Farmer, author of The Farmer Review, a very well-known report he wrote for government in 2016 looking at the UK construction sector. Even then, he called that report Modernise or Die, and he is now one of the government's most senior advisors on the UK construction industry, and again, his warnings are very stark indeed. But first... Speaking of construction, we're currently constructing the biggest KBB industry gathering of 2023 in the shape of the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards. It's taking place in Cardiff on April the 20th and we're craning in the lintel of networking and piping in the cement of partying. So you don't want to miss it if you haven't already booked your tickets. It's a room full of hundreds of the industry's leading retailers, designers, brands and influencers. So that's a pretty solid foundation. I'll start with the building thing now. You can find out everything you need to know at kbbreview.com forward slash awards. And if you book now, you can still pay by invoice, but that won't last long. See you there. Okay, let's start by hearing from Damien Walters, the CEO of the BIKBPI. He has been banging the drum for more fitters, apprenticeships and higher standards for a long time now. And his opening speech at his conference was, for want of a better word, weary in its assessment of how far the industry has come despite the efforts of his organisation. Spoiler alert, it's not very far at all. There is, he says, still huge consumer demand for all things KBB, but this demand is actually exacerbating all the issues that are blighting the installation sector. The stark reality is that left unresolved, these issues will ultimately result in dire consequences for the industry in the medium and long term. The growth in demand for home building and home improvement has caused greater pressure on an already shrinking workforce, creating longer lead times and backlogs. The subsequent effect of that is that retailers and consumers must wait longer to access trained and skilled tradespeople. There is currently a significant shortfall of proficient, skilled people entering the industry to meet existing demand, let alone future growth opportunities. This coupled with a generally ageing workforce and an evident reduction in labour immigration is of real concern. And the longer the lead times and the lack of trained installers expose consumers to greater risk of opportunist traders as we have seen in specialist areas of home improvement, including glazing and more recently renewable energy. It's also the case that the industry cannot be complacent around the strong levels of demand. The national economic picture has darkened, with the UK entering recession and low levels of growth projected for the coming years. 
Industry, therefore, faces the twin challenge of needing to meet the pressure of current high demand whilst preparing to be resilient in the face of any downturn, making sure that hard-pressed consumers continue to recognise the value of investing in their homes. But at least the UK is not alone, something which I witnessed firsthand in the United States just last week. It's very clear that these are global issues that we face, but it's also clear that we are dealing with things very differently. And in my opinion, in a more sluggish way from our friends across the pond. So that's a very worrying assessment. But how do fitters themselves feel about the industry they work in? At the end of 2022, the BIKBBI surveyed its members and some of the results might also make you want to put your head in your hands. We were able to determine that almost 50% of KBB installation businesses are concerned about the rising operating costs. And more than 80% believe that the current government is not doing enough to support them. The research also revealed more than one third of those surveyed are worried about the UK economy and a potential decline in consumer spending, suggesting that our small but vital section of the KBB industry is understandably nervous about what the future will bring. It is no wonder, therefore, that further data from the same survey revealed that almost 60% of installers surveyed would consider switching their skills to another industry such as renewable energy. 60%. With almost 65 citing financial gain or better opportunities as the main driver. If you're sat in this room, you should ask yourself what the industry might look like with over half of our already short and depleting workforce simply walking out of our industry in search of a better life. The only conclusion you could possibly come to is that this would lead to a certain catastrophe beyond that of a swollen lead time that caused chaos in 2021 and 2022. Perhaps 20 to 30 week lead times become the new norm. What would that do to your business? This data would trouble me in normal circumstances, but when you add the fact that there is already a huge disparity between the demand from retailers and consumers versus the available of skilled, competent and professional KBB installers, this could be catastrophic for our sector and the businesses represented in the room here today. So is there an answer to all this? The sector needs new blood, armfuls of it, and the BIKBBI has been championing apprenticeships for a long time, But according to Walters, the message doesn't seem to be getting through, even now. Anybody that follows BIKBBI will know that we've been working tirelessly to attract more talent to the KBB installation sector via many channels, including resettlement programme with the Ministry of Defence and, of course, the much-talked-about apprenticeships. We thought that we had done a pretty good job of telling the sector about just how important apprenticeships are to the future, of course, of our industry. And we thought we had managed to dispel the myth about how hard it is to take on an apprentice by developing the BIKBBI Skills Plus employer package. But sadly, it seems not. Almost 30% of installers surveyed believe that there is still too much red tape to comply with, and 53% believe that the government does not do enough to support small businesses in taking on an apprentice. It seems there is still much work for us to do in convincing the KBB installer community that investing in young people is the only solution for us to build a workforce for the future. It looks like we have to step up our game. 
to make sure the stakeholders have all the facts and truly understand the benefits that apprenticeships can bring to their business and the wider industry. It is my thought that the government is doing enough in terms of funding. The problem for me is that our ageing industry simply doesn't understand the benefits of apprenticeships. Or worse still, society still believes that apprenticeships are great, but for other people's children, not ours. This is no longer the case, as vocational learning has advanced at a staggering pace with the modern apprenticeship offering solid alternative to academic learning with far stronger prospects and earning potential for those who choose this option. Let's not forget that it was less than two years ago that our friends just across the Thames, the guys at Pimlico Plumbing, advertised a bulk standard plumbing job on a PAYE basis with an annual salary of £120,000 plus van, plus tools, plus holidays, plus sick pay and all the other Gucci benefits, 120000 Yet our society largely still believes that university is the best option and I find that staggering. It's a real paradox, isn't it? The opportunities are there, the consumer demand is there, the money is there and yet the industry, as far as Damien is concerned, is sleepwalking into a disaster. He is sounding every alarm he can to try and wake everyone up. But the exasperation in his voice here is unmistakable. I have a responsibility to take this opportunity to issue a clear warning to our entire industry. Despite the great collaborative work we have achieved in the creation of our Fit for Purpose apprenticeship, our industry is failing. Whilst pockets of great work and support exist, the industry is simply not doing enough to over, uh, overcome this skills gap crisis as a collective. There is no other way to put it, no point sugarcoating it, we are in a bad place. Whilst other industries have succeeded in the adoption of apprenticeships, and for instance, the plumbing and heating sector that has fully embraced the scheme, which is now starting to reverse their own skills gap crisis, we have hardly scratched the surface and we are nowhere near in a place that makes me feel comfortable about the future of our sector. We managed to attract the attention of over 350 school leavers in 21-22, all of whom expressed an interest in starting a career in this industry as fitted furniture installers. This after a national road trip where I personally visited schools and colleges presenting to thousands of uh, secondary school-aged children about the amazing opportunities that are available in our industry. However... The tragic fact is that we, as a multi-billion pound industry, and with thousands of installers, manufacturers and retailers, between us all, we couldn't create 350 apprenticeship vacancies. And the net result of this travesty is that 350 school leavers left and have embarked on careers elsewhere. Let me add some context to that. That could have been 350 future businesses capable of installing 15,000 installation projects a year over time. Whilst that's a drop in the ocean and not enough in itself to fix the problem, it would have been a solid start, which would have paved the way for the next 350, 3,500 or 35,000, which is nearer the number that we need. Our failure to create the apprenticeship vacancies is a missed opportunity for our industry, or should I say, 15,000 missed opportunities annually, or who knows what beyond. So why did we fail? 
Well, I believe there's several reasons, some of which I highlighted in the survey. But what is clear that despite the popular misconception that the youth of today are only interested in TikTok and YouTube, in reality, the problem and positively the solution sits with us as an industry, not them. We have the power to make a difference here, or should I say, you have the power to make a difference here. Increased lead times and reputational damage caused by a widening skills gap is bad for business. Whether you're a supplier, a distributor, a manufacturer, a merchant, a retailer, the situation has the potential to cause significant damage to your business and brand. In fact, it probably already is. As we sit at this critical juncture, I call upon the industry to wake up and smell the coffee, take immediate action without further delay. Whether that's taking on an apprentice, sharing opportunities with your audience, whether it's through funding or supporting your own supply chains to take on an apprentice, we need to unite and overcome this challenge together. The familiar nodding in agreement needs to now progress through to real action and ultimately the employment of real apprentices. Each and every one of us has a responsibility to play a participating role if we're to avoid a land without labour. This utterly brilliant industry holds the key to unlock this challenge and I genuinely believe that we can do this. But we, Big B, of course, cannot do it alone and I can't continue to be playing the same broken record over and over again. Remember, I've been doing this for 17 years now as a CEO at this institute. I don't want to be issuing start warnings about crisis. I don't want to be the one delivering bad news at every juncture. In actual fact, I want to lead an organisation that is working within a flourishing industry and one that is welcoming not tens of new installers, not hundreds, but thousands each year. We can do this, but now is the time to stop talking and start doing. Again... And to reiterate my words from last year, we have no plan B. Over now to Mark Farmer. He's the CEO of Cast Consultancy, a senior advisor to government on the construction industry and the author, as I said, of the Farmer Review, the official name of which was ominously Modernise or Die. He is about as influential as it gets when it comes to understanding the issues surrounding the building sector and included in that KBB installation. The Farmer Review was published back in 2016, and in it he warned of a crippling lack of skilled tradesmen coming through the market. It's now 2023, so what does he think of it now? The construction industry and all the sectors that work within it are facing a double whammy of inherently low productivity combined with the real prospect of a shrinking workforce. And the workforce size and shape and demographics is of a characteristic we haven't seen before. So unprecedented is a word that's used a lot, but I make no apologies for the fact I do believe we are facing an unprecedented accumulation of issues. Well, that is, of course, incredibly worrying too. Is it reassuring to know that the KBB part of construction is not alone in its woes? Almost certainly not. This situation does need context, though. Perhaps this is just a blip or a trough in a wider cycle. Surely the level of demand will bring the industry back up the other side at some point. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Resilience. I think it was actually a word Damien used at some point around the need to be resilient. And I think that is really going to be under stress uh, and tested in times ahead. Resiliency effectively is the ability of something to bounce back. 
And what construction has shown over many, many years is that it's a cyclical market that it operates in. Obviously, our economy goes through um, growth periods and recessions. And as has been already said, we're probably going through a change at the moment into a potential downturn, hopefully shallow and short, um, but things are changing. And resiliency is the ability to contract and expand and regain your original shape. And construction historically has been able to do that over a very long run period of time. But I think that is now under pressure. And it's also being exposed by some fairly unique circumstances we've seen in the last 12 to 18 months in terms of what's been happening in the world. So just as we were coming out of COVID and lockdown, we entered one of the biggest conflicts in Europe for 70 years in Ukraine. And then we sort of created our own political drama here in the UK, homegrown, home-inflicted drama in terms of three prime ministers in a series of months that has led to economic instability. Some of that was probably already coming, but it certainly accelerated that uncertainty. And all of this is playing out in our industry as we speak. So our industry, whether it is new build construction or whether it is RMI work, is dependent on economic confidence, consumer confidence, investor confidence, money market confidence, it all links back to it. And coming back to this resiliency point, the ability to expand and contract total construction employment, including the element that works in RMI, over a 40-odd year period. And you see boom and bust, as you do, as it maps onto economic cycles. But what is really telling is that the peak employment from the global financial crisis to pre-COVID did not increase, which it has done in every other cycle. So our population's gone up. So you'd expect construction's share of employment to go up in total numbers, but it didn't. And that's the first sign of a major structural issue in our workforce, that resiliency, the ability to rebound and, and gain the original shape and size, has disappeared. And that's even further exacerbated if you look at just the last few years pretty worrying in terms of the attrition that we're seeing in construction. So from global financial crisis 2008, nearly 2.6 million employed in the industry, through to coming out of COVID at the end of last year, 2.16 million. We've lost 11% of our workforce in just three years. So some of that's demographic. We have an aging workforce that's already been picked up. Some of it is around the fact we're not replenishing that workforce with new talent. Some of it is the economically active workforce. COVID has accelerated some people leaving the industry and other people making life choices as to whether they, they want to work in certain sectors or work full time, etc. So this should be extremely worrying to everyone. And this is not just a construction issue, actually. This is across all economic sectors. We're facing this workforce squeeze. And construction is also suffering from the after effects of, you've guessed it, Brexit and the large population of EU migrant tradespeople that the industry was dependent on, particularly in London and the South East. And it isn't just about sheer numbers, it's about the demographic of those workers too. That's made worse by the fact that the younger bit of our workforce over the last 10 to 15 years has actually been the EU element. The UK domestic workforce is the older element of our workforce if you look at it on a demographic slice. So what it's done is it's the bow wave of demographic ageing has now got more uh, extenuated um, and we're not replenishing at the rate we should be for the younger demographic. Again, sort of fairly chastening set of circumstances. So once again, what is the answer? For pharma, it's not just about getting more people. There needs to be acceptance that those people aren't coming and the way we build things has to change to allow for this. For pharma, it's about understanding the bigger picture and what actually needs to be done. Otherwise, all we're going to do is watch industry standards rapidly decline even further. It's all well and good to say that we need to employ more people, and that we do. And it's all very very well to set out what is the skills gap 
in terms of number of people we need to recruit. But putting it up there as a graph doesn't make it happen. I think that's the problem we now have. We have, a, we have a reality gap in terms of the need of the industry and the actual progno- likely prognosis based on the set of um, circumstances we find ourselves in. And this is important, and a lot of the work I've done with government over the last seven years, particularly for the Department of Leveling Up, as it's now called, but the housing ministry generically, has been recognising that we need to do more with less people, but at the same, if not higher quality. So historically, lots of those variables have been sort of, they move around one at the expense of the other. And all of a sudden, we're in a world driven probably by societal change and other aspects around regulation, including uh, climate change and environmental standards that has already been spoken about, where we need to do more, probably with less people, to a higher standard. And political imperative is starting to bear down on that and all of these reports reflect on that so it's actually not just a headcount issue we're having to do better with less people so the two things often have gone diametrically opposed and the risk of not growing a workforce and not being more productive going back to my farmer review two highlighted um, areas is that you stress the industry and when you stress the industry things go wrong what you see here is a series of headlines in mainstream media about failure particularly around quality and particularly around new build housing, but it's also applicable to RMI sector. And this is a major reputational and brand risk issue for business and industry. This is not something that you can ignore. This is actually the make or break as to whether you have a future-proof business that's fit for purpose. And it's also particularly played out in the new build housing sector. The volume house builders have come in for a hell of a lot of stick, um, in many instances quite rightly, around the quality of what they're delivering. It's one of the biggest investments anyone ever makes in terms of buying a house, and we accept quality less than what we would in buying a new car for multiples of what you actually spend. And some of the visual representation of what is deemed to be acceptable is quite shocking. And it includes the KBB sector, particularly in the advent of social media, the likes of TikTok and Twitter and LinkedIn. Everyone's exposed to this. So can the industry change? It would be easy to say, I think, that all these problems are completely insurmountable, given the kind of scales we're talking about here. For Mark Farmer, though, it's clearly about the whole supply chain changing, adapting and evolving to compensate for the fact that the people just aren't there, no matter how much you look for them. And believe it or not, we actually have a great precedent that this can happen when it's needed. Covid threw up quite an interesting observation about how our industry works. We went from business as usual, just as lockdown was starting to occur, into a complete stop a short-term hiatus where construction stopped pretty much on everything other than critical national infrastructure until the industry got organised through the Construction Leadership Council to work out how it was going to work in a safe way, socially distanced way, because government realised, quite rightly, that the construction sector, including RMI, needed to continue to underpin economic growth. It would be a complete tragedy for that not to happen. And we agreed those protocols and we continued to work. And what happened, and this is particularly relevant for new build construction, where I spend most of my time, is that productivity on construction sites went up because actually there were less people. It was more structured, more orderly, more planned, and actually people were getting more work done. So team productivity went up. Total output in the industry was under pressure because there was less people and our industry's got used to a model of flooding the work face with people to pick up the low productivity that we're used to. So quite an interesting observation. All the anecdotes I have from construction professionals and senior uh, people in the contracting industry is that we have now gone back to where we were pre-COVID. Even in the space of a year, 
post lockdown, our productivity has fallen away again to where it was. So COVID showed that it is possible for the construction industry to change and change quickly. We saw that in KBB too, of course. As Farmer says, the focus must be on working at a higher quality with less people and how things are built it needs to change to adapt towards that goal. This field is referred to as MMC, or Modern Methods of Construction, and there is a huge amount of research going on in this area at the moment. While the majority of thought is mainly about new build, it is also highly relevant to the RMI and home improvement works and will become even more so without a doubt. And while many think MMC is solely about modular buildings, it is better defined as the difference between what needs to be done on site and what can be done off-site. If you're in someone's house, you have to be in someone's house to physically improve, whether it's their bedroom, bathroom, kitchen, whatever. But actually, the way in which manufactured products are put together and the ease in which they're then assembled on site is a critical element of productivity. So if you can do more with less people, then you're starting to to address some of the issues that I've already highlighted. So the the categories of modern methods span everything from just doing more in the factory, modularising and pre-assembling, through to actually improving the processes that you apply on site. And it's a the whole combination of all of those things and targeting them across the whole aspect of what we build, starting in the ground for new builds. So foundations can be pre-manufactured and pre-cast into the fabric of the building, the structure that we build. And importantly for your sector, into the fitting out and the plumbing, electrical and public health works that go into lots of installations. There's ways in which you can reduce labour per unit of work installed, which is really important to overcome this productivity challenge. So it takes some of the pressure off how many people we need to attract and employ in the sector. Because we need to attack it from both ends. We need to attract more talent, but we also need to be more productive in terms of what we do. And this is all really relevant for you in the room, because actually it's the kitchen industry that has actually stood out across all of the sectors that happen in general construction in terms of embracing the idea of modularity. So modular construction is not just about a whole house coming on the back of a lorry. A brick is a module. So a brick and a block is a modular concept. In the kitchen industry, you've embraced modular through your dimensional protocols in terms of your wall units, your base units, your carcassing sizes. That's been aligned to white goods. It's all modular. It's the same dimensions everywhere you go. All the manufacturers align to the same dimensions. You don't see that in any other sector, really. So it's quite a unique trailblazing element that your sector has been involved with. And I'm not quite sure the history of it, but it's come about and it, it stayed and it's stuck. And it's a really good precedent. And lots of people talk about this uh, as being something that other people need to learn from. Well, there you go. Those 600 mil cabinets are trailblazing. Who knew? In fact, a new build research project sponsored by key house builders and other big players was tasked with looking at how houses could be put together differently. And believe it or not, bathrooms were highlighted as a good example of how this theory is moving forward. All of the developers involved in the study recognise that the bathrooms that they design are all variations on a theme. The dimensional changes that they have in their bathroom types, if if you plot them, they're all pretty much much of a muchness. And every time you change the dimension of a bathroom, you change the setting out, you change all of the install protocols and how difficult it is for the site teams to have to reset out and recalibrate how they're laying out their bathrooms and their sanitary wear and their tiling and the joinery. Massive impacts on productivity. So why don't you standardise amongst developers standard bathroom layouts that become high repeat modular approaches that installers can get more and more efficient on and use scale to sit behind it? multiple developers sign up to it, which is one of the recommendations that came out of the report. Barrett are starting to roll this out across their entire programme 
and looking to bring other house builders on that journey. So for KBB installers operating in the new build sector, this was something that would improve productivity. Okay, I'm pretty sure every designer listening to this is shuddering at the idea of all bathrooms being standardised in this way. But bathroom pods are nothing new, particularly in hotels, for example. So you can see why it may be the answer to keeping quality high while needing less people on site for new builds. The workforce is effectively moving to the factory floor. I don't think anyone is suggesting making pods for fitting in Mrs. Smith's house, so don't worry about that. But the idea of making products as easy as possible to fit to allow for fewer people to do so is the MMC version for KBB retail and installation. But while MMC is really important, it can't wholly compensate for the sheer lack of people and the projected downturn in numbers that will make the current situation even worse. And while so much of this is about construction in general, it's not hard to see how the modernise or die message applies to KBB installation. We have to think about how we're going to attract more people to our industry. The way in which we put KBB sets of goods together is a really important part of that narrative. It's not just necessarily working in people's homes. It's not necessarily working on new build construction sites. It might be working in factories around consolidation. It might be working in the lights of ILCA or legal in general, good working conditions, payroll, not self-employment, high productivity, the idea of multi-skilling, different types of skills being involved. And our government, I think, has a role. If there's one thing our government does have a role to play is give clear guidance to the sector as to what its policy is going to be on how it's going to support or otherwise the sector. And one of the big things that we've gone back and forth on is lots of industry lobbying to relent on Brexit and migrant labour. That's one way of dealing with the issue. Just open the floodgates and bring low-skilled migrant workers in. But there is a school of thought that we should be training our domestic workforce and investing in it, as Damien said, taking responsibility for doing things better. And apprenticeships are at the heart of that. Vocational skills and training are at the heart of that. There were some early signs that we're starting to see that equalisation between academic, university-led education and vocational apprenticeships. That's good. It's the way it is in Germany, for instance. There's much more steam with being a, uh, an apprentice there than um, and on a par with being a graduate. We need to keep pushing on that. So there's a whole piece that needs to be done around recognised apprenticeship standards for your sector that enables young, young installers, or maybe not so young, people coming into the sector to have a recognised training standard that, they, that is mobile, moves them around the industry, they can move from employer to employer, and gives them a standard to work to. And it is that thing about standards, which again Damien mentioned, which I think is really important here. Because going back to some of the poor quality work that has been happening in the sector, including in RMI, you have to have a barrier to entry. So there's a big debate to be had about how you apply that in your sector. So the FMB, Federation of Master Builders, you, know, you might have seen the work they've been doing on trying to create a licence to build. They've lobbied government quite hard around creating barriers to entry so no one can just call themselves a builder. At the moment, that's what you can do. Just turn up and be a builder, a bathroom installer, a kitchen installer. There's no regulation around that. So licensing, creating a sense of badging your workforce and your companies that are reputable and do good work is a really important element of this. And it's quite clear to me that Big B is playing a really important role in leading this. You know, and I congratulate you, Damien, and your leadership here to try and drive change. But ultimately, it's down to all of you. It's down to your peer group. It's down to the wider sector just to make a decision. So modernise or die is a choice. Hopefully, it's about modernising, not dying. But it is actually in everyone's hands here. And not just in the KBB sector. It's in my sector and consultancy. Every sector has this challenge around making choices, deciding what we do. Do we invest in human capital? Do we get more productive? Do we embrace technology or do we just sit there 
and accept what's coming. Because the prognosis, as I've said at the beginning of this presentation, around workforce and the wider economic challenges is difficult. So I think we have no choice but to act. That was Mark Farmer. And it was so interesting to hear someone whose name and reputation I was so familiar with actually speaking so eloquently about such an important issue. And it was also really fascinating to hear how much his view on the construction market mirrored Damien's very stark warnings on the future of KBB installation specifically. The BIKBBI conference was such an interesting day and there was a lot of content I could have included here, but the dog walk or Tesco Big Shop, you probably are now listening to this, would have ended up lasting hours. So thank you to Damien and Michelle for a really good event and thank you to Mark Farmer for his presentation. Don't forget, of course, that you can book your tickets now for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2023. It's on Thursday, April the 20th in Cardiff, and you can find out everything you need to know at kbbreview.com forward slash awards. See you next time. Thank you.